welcome to Unraveling Crypto, the podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie. If you're curious about Web3 but don't know where to start, you're in the right spot. I know how full your life is already, and I also know how much freedom this expansive space can offer. Each episode, we bring on Web3 experts to share what they love. Through easy conversation, we cover topics like financial literacy, blockchain, and how to use these in practical ways. It's not just about technology, but about who is building it and why it's being built. Today, I'm talking with Elena, Product Marketing Manager for Hero Systems and founder of Blockchain Latinx about getting familiar with Web3 and learning the value of ownership. This was a really enlightening conversation, and I hope you enjoy it too. Let's dive in. Hello, welcome to Hi. the show. Well, it's Unraveling Crypto. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. I cannot wait for the discussion, all the little tips and turns we're going to get into today. Of course. So I talked to you a little bit before we get started that I'm a wellness coach. And one of the things that I do when we're starting a meditation or any circle that I specifically lead, I kind of like to start with a little bit of grounding. And today I feel the call to say, like, what's one word that's present for you right now? Like, what are you feeling? Whether it's like kind of good or kind of not, like what's coming up? Yeah, I guess for me personally, the first word that came to mind was perspective in a world where you're always connected, headlines are coming at you left and right. I think this week it's been really important for me to keep perspective around like what's important and what um, what's meaningful for me. Oh, I love that. And I'll share mine. For me, it's breath. <laughs> just like catching our breath and just like breath is life too. So it's just what's present. All right. So... Can you tell us a little bit about you and um, just so the audience knows? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first, Vanessa, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'll give a little bit of background about who I am and how I got into crypto and why this space just needs more people to help us unravel all these crazy, interesting problems that the, the industry is trying to tackle. So I am originally from Houston, Texas. I am American like and Latina. My family's from Venezuela and Cuba. And I was actually working in nonprofits for the first half of my career. And, uh, you know, decided that I wanted to see what my career would look like if I went to grad school. I wanted to change. And I just thought I was going to continue to kind of climb the corporate ladder. Like I was working in nonprofit media. I thought maybe I could work in for-profit media. And that was going to be it. And then I took a class, and this just shows you the value of education and being open to unexpected things. I took a class on digital currencies. It blew my mind, and I had to write a research paper. And I decided to write a research paper on crypto adoption. It, sorry, that's my 10-month-old baby in the background. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I was in this uh, digital currency class. And I decided to write a research paper on crypto adoption in Venezuela, since that's where my family's from. It really opened my mind to what this technology was doing on the ground. 
but also like really hard nuanced challenges that remain to be solved. So then I started working in the industry. I worked in three different roles or three different companies all in in the marketing function. And it's it's I'm never looking back. It's been a roller coaster ride ever since. Ooh, I love that. Okay, so I want to start with like this question is like what's your superpower? And that's the thing that comes to you the most effortlessly like it's just natural for you to do what do you love to do um yeah I think my mm, well so I wonder if my superpower and the things that I love to do it's almost like a Venn diagram so your superpower I've heard people describe like what are you good at what do you love and what can you get paid for so sometimes like you're good at things and you love them but it's not a a way to kind of like make a career. So in the Venn diagram of what I'm good at, what I love, and what I've found adds value at the companies that I work for, uh, I'm really good at just distilling information. So when a lot of people are talking, there's a lot of competing interests. I think the thing that I comes naturally is just kind of saying like, okay, let's clear all that stuff out. What are we actually trying to do in the next 30 minutes? What are we actually trying to accomplish in the next 30 days? Um, I think though, kind of like in the broader scheme, what gives me energy and what brings me joy, like I love connecting with people. And so both at work and outside of work, I look for places to create community. I try to create space for conversations that are necessary, but aren't being had. So like one of my taglines is create a safe space for hot takes. I think a lot of times people are nervous around like, oh, if I say this at work, how am I going to come off? Or if I say this on Twitter, you know, how is that going to reflect on me? I think uh, it's really important to have spaces where people can just not just goof around, but maybe say things that like they they're exploring and thinking out loud. So I love creating those spaces. That gives me a lot of energy. Okay, so it's like the perfect combination for unraveling crypto. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good time. Yes, exactly. I feel like you just hand me the mic and I'll I'll definitely like take it take it where it needs to go. Okay, then let's just dive right in. Web3 and crypto is vast. And actually, a lot of the um my community, they don't even know what Web3 is. And um they probably haven't heard it either. But where would you say, um, what's the place that everyone should start when they want to enter? It's a good question. So I think I'll take the question in two different ways. One is kind of like conceptually where you should start. And the other is more tactical, like literally what website is a good website to go to. So conceptually, uh, I think when you hear terms like blockchain, cryptocurrencies, Web3, it's very natural to feel intimidated by terms you don't understand. And also when people kind of explain like, why should I care about this? The explanations, quite frankly, leave a lot to be desired. And so I think the way that I think about it, or when I am trying to encourage people to explore is take something like the internet. We all use the internet each and every day now more than ever, but many of us didn't grow up with the internet. And we, just because we use the internet each and every day 
doesn't mean we really understand or need to know about the TCP IP protocol that the internet runs on. So if I'm telling you about something that has the potential to add a lot of value, I can tell you it's similar to the internet. And I can tell you that there's going to be a lot of technical terms that are very intimidating. If you can just accept all of that, then I think that's a good grounding point to start to explore different things. So that's kind of how like the context is basically you use the internet every day, but you don't need to know how HTTP works. If you can think about how blockchain and Web3 and crypto, like what are the wonderful opportunities there? I think a lot of people will emphasize the ability to have an ownership stake in the digital spaces that we interact with, the digital platforms that we use every day. Um, Also, just the fact that this is another iteration of the internet. So when the internet first came out, it looked very different than when smartphones came out. And when smartphones came out, it looked very different than what will happen probably in the next five to 10 years. Tactically, I think the places to get started, there's uh, so many great community resources. So women in blockchain, they have a really awesome primer for where you need to go, what are, like, if you like video, here are the first three, five-minute videos. If you prefer reading, because different people have different learning um, preferences and different learning strategies. So if you're a visual learner versus if you prefer to read. So I would definitely recommend women in blockchain uh, their blockchain primer as the go-to source. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes as well, um, in the podcast notes. So kind of going from this question, we don't need to know all of the technical aspects. And I think that when we come, when I came into the space, I felt like I needed to, I'm like, oh my God, I need to become a developer or like a coder. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, how, am, how the hell am I going to do that? So what is important to understand? Because I think like finances, we need to know foundation with finances and the same thing with crypto, like what or Web3, like what is the foundation that everyone should come in and know? Or learn? Yes, that's such a good, good question to ask. Um, so I think one thing is understanding that crypto is short for, before it was short for cryptocurrencies, it was short for cryptography. And so a lot of these systems, the whole reason they exist are because the value proposition is that the cryptography is more secure or more resilient than kind of older systems. So if you're like, okay, well, I can kind of get that. I think the main things that you should kind of dedicate some time to to researching is how valid or how true those value propositions are. So a lot of times when you're first getting into crypto, you'll have like a million and one brands like thrown at you. Like there's Bitcoin, then there's Ethereum, then there's a doggy coin, then there's a boo-boo coin and whatever. I think the main thing is to step back and say, okay, if the if this whole category of technology is meant to increase ownership, increase agency, increase transparency, and increase security and resilience, how are they actually doing that? Um, and then I think there's some basic kind of principles that you'll start to catch on really quickly. You don't need to know, you don't have to have a PhD in cryptography. You don't need to know what Byzantine fault tolerance is, but you'll start to familiarize yourself with those really technical terms in a way that I think is very empowering. 
And then I'll also add that um, in terms of the basics, like what you need to know, uh, understanding kind of how, like why does decentralization make things more secure will also help you understand all of the digital tools that we use today. So why is end-to-end encryption important in WhatsApp messages? Why is financial um, censorship a problem for people in uh, different places all around the world, like Afghanistan, Venezuela? Why is that kind of a question that we should be asking ourselves when it comes to everyone's ability to participate and like be equal, have an equitable internet that honors everyone's dignity? So I think that's why it's a fun space. It's a rabbit hole because you come in thinking like, I'm going to learn about some magic internet money. And then you come out with all of these really big, fascinating um, questions to grapple with. A hundred percent. And I'm really curious to ask you about what problems is crypto solving right now? Or what do you see it solving? Yeah. There are maybe a few main categories. And I think the first thing to emphasize is that it's just getting started. So we almost can't even conceptualize the problems that it's going to solve because we like the technology isn't fully mature yet. I think the main problems that are being solved in like maybe a handful of buckets is one um, more resilient digital systems, like more resilient digital platforms, more resilient digital money. And what do I mean by resilience? Um, Right now, a lot of our platforms are vulnerable to either hacks or like one company deciding, I don't want to serve this group of people anymore. And that's kind of problematic once you start to have 90% of your life online or 90% of the stuff that you do online. So when people get excluded from a digital space, now it's just as bad, if not worse, from being excluded from a physical space. So if you think about kind of how immigration law, like in the world, allows people to have access to different economies, like the U.S. economy, because you're physically in that country, digitally excluding people from certain economies could also be very disempowering. So more resilient and um, censorship-resistant systems, that's one. And then two, things that are like actually happening on the ground, just better business models for um, rewarding creators or rewarding participants. So I know I'm kind of like throwing out a bunch of like buzzwords and jargon. I'm going to try to break that down like more simply. Right now, we all use Instagram. Um, And I think an example that people talk about in Web3 is what if you could have more of an ownership in the way Instagram operates? So if you said like, hey, listen, it's not okay that we advertise this type of content anymore, or I would prefer that the algorithm for serving me ads is not as addictive or it doesn't have like certain kind of design choices. If every single person on Instagram was able to influence meaningfully the way that Instagram is designed, that would be a business model that's more like what you see in Web3, where um, I'm a user, but I'm also an owner, and therefore I get to 
kind of have more control over the direction of this project or this product that I use every day. Um, yeah, I think for the financial inclusion, it's the topic that I mentioned earlier. Um, it's something that I think if most of your audience is from the United States or Europe, it's hard to really understand because most of those economies are stable and the economic or financial tools within that economy are really reliable, but that's not the case for people all around the world. And so how crypto has given people access to powerful financial tools cannot be understated. That's a really, really, really cool and radical way that Web3 and crypto is, is making an impact. Yeah. I mean, I think that the beautiful thing about where we are with technology right now is that a lot of my clients and community are not just from the States. I get to work with people from all over the world and you gain a lot of perspective from like what what's their day-to-day, -day, what are they dealing with? And I'm Colombian as well. It, although I grew up in the States, I, I know that like the economy in South America is it's not what it is here, even though it's shifting as well. Um, but I wanted to touch a little bit upon what you said about ownership because I have seen would like would Web3 solve something along the lines like the hacking and the scamming that's happening, for example, on Instagram. So a lot of the um, content creators or business owners get scammed and get hacked from their Instagram accounts. And that's perhaps the main mode where they make money and they lose all of their community in just like overnight. How do you see that as being like, is there a way to solve that with, with Web3? Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I guess, so full disclosure, I don't have Instagram. I'm addicted to Twitter. I, I serve another digital overlord, but, um, but I definitely know how it works and have seen it. I wasn't as familiar with the example that you just gave, Vanessa, but I can, I can throw out some hypotheses. So one is, unfortunately, there isn't a silver bullet for security in any context, physical or digital right? And I think one thing working in crypto has made me understand, or Web3 has made me understand more clearly, is that the way we think about certain terms, like security, is not a on and off switch. It's more like a long gradient. So just like privacy, you don't either have something that's private or not. Security, you don't have something that's secure or not. These systems really depend a lot on your behavior, the incentives for people to attack you, and then the resilience or the systems that you like the design of the system that you operate in. So to your question, like, can Web3 protect people better against hacks or does it offer better security? I think a lot of these tools they just operate on a totally different model. And so they offer some solutions to past models, but they also introduce new kind of areas that could be threatening or areas that like we haven't, we, we need to have better security systems in place. So to use another metaphor, like I speak in a lot of metaphors, when you like in the world of transportation, like when everybody rode on horses like the way that you stayed secure was like 
wearing a helmet. I don't know. I haven't ridden a horse, but like, let's pretend that that's, that was your security system. Then when you move from horses to cars, helmets don't make that much sense, but seatbelts do. So just like you wouldn't have a seatbelt in a car, in a horse, you might not have a helmet in a car unless you're a Formula One racer. So the hacks and stuff that happen on Instagram and Web2, unfortunately, there are just as many um, similar schemes of people trying to, you know, get your secret password for your Web3 crypto thing or to like dupe you into one thing or another. That can absolutely be intimidating for people who are new to the space. It's just like, I don't know what all these random internet bots are trying to get me to do. And I think that's why finding communities that you can really trust is super important. And also going back to the point I made earlier, like knowing what you're getting into, just a little, like taking a little bit longer to get there. Um, I will say in terms of security, one thing that is better in Web3 systems and you it's a problem in Web2 systems is this thing called deplatforming. So if I'm a content creator and maybe I have a sex positive YouTube channel and I'm trying to educate women about all of the important considerations for a new like kink type of lifestyle, that might be something that YouTube flags as inappropriate content and then cuts me off of that platform. In Web3, that type of unilateral, like one way, like we don't like this content, we're banning you forever, is harder to do. It's more that the community of users has to weigh in on what the community wants to see. Um, that has positive and other types of consequences as you can imagine, but it is a kind of a better system for creators. Yeah. And I think one important aspect about Web3 is that you mentioned it, it's about community and where you land and that will determine what you're creating and how what you, what's being fostered. So, okay, I wanted to change a little bit. Um, we've talked, like, what do you really love about crypto? Yes. Okay. So there's a few, like everything, I feel like there's a few things. I think the thing I love the most is how crypto isn't a totally new thing as much as it is part of a longer arc of humans trying to create technology that protects their dignity. And like, what do I mean by that? So if you look back to the cypherpunk movement, like Satoshi Nakamoto released the Bitcoin white paper on this thing called the cypherpunk mailing list. If you look back, like go to the Wikipedia page of what cypherpunks were, this is a group of like cryptographers and anarchists and academics and engineers who really felt like humans deserved privacy, digital privacy from an oppressive surveillance state. And so maybe they read George Orwell's 1984, maybe they had other dystopian influences, but they really wanted like cypherpunks write code. They're really motivated to create ways that humans can connect with each other so that the internet wouldn't become a tool for oppression. So for me, like that is one of the driving things that brought me to this space and keeps me in this space is that the people that I work with every day, people that I've worked with in previous teams and previous companies, they're just smart, ethical, and committed 
to, to creating better digital tools. Um, so that's something I love, love, love. And then the second thing is I just like to noodle on these top, like what is money? I think before I got into crypto, it was just like, duh, money is the thing I use to buy coffee. And if I had more of it, I'd be happier. Um, doy, doy, doy. But, but then when you really work in the space, you start to ask yourself like, okay, money is a tool that we use to exchange things that are valuable. And in hyper-capitalist systems or hyper-realist systems, money has become value itself. And that's why some, some systems that we're in feel really destructive or they feel really messed up because the incentives are aligned to either hoard money at the expense of things that are valuable, like our environment, like our identity, like our personhood, or it's just destructive and extractive in ways that don't honor honor each other as humans. I think that's my TED talk. That's my, that's my soapbox. No, I love this. And what has been your experience as a woman and a mother and Latina in this space? Like, what is your experience here? Yeah, I have to say that being a woman in this space has been really awesome. Like, I have found it's like so many like incredible friendships and like a lot of like-minded um, individuals who maybe share my experience or have a totally different perspective than mine. But I would say as a woman in working in Web3, I have found it to be a very welcoming space. And I say that acknowledging that unfortunately that's not what everybody experiences. So I definitely see people say like, hey, there's not enough women in Web3. Or why are the only men on these panels or, you know, technology and STEM industries are already like very male dominated. Why is web, how, how is web three going to be any different? I recognize the validity of those statements. And I think as also just hasn't been my experience. So in a way I'm very blessed. I feel really lucky. And then I also feel the responsibility of like changing the status quo. Like it's important that that doesn't that everybody has an experience like mine. I would love that. As a Latina, it's also been amazing, but I just feel like Latinas like shine their amazingness on, on whatever space they occupy. So that I feel like that's like, okay, next question. Like, but that's maybe not fair. I think the Latinas that I've worked with in web three, just know that they can add value because a lot of the like use cases that people talk about in crypto, like remittances, cross-border payments, like you just are more likely to have lived that experience if you've sent a Western Union money order to your cousin in Argentina because he needs the money. Or if you've like had, you know, members of your family undergo a hyperinflated economy where all of their savings are denominated in a currency that doesn't have any value anymore. So I think as a woman and as a Latina, it's all been gravy. As a mother, I, that's, this is new to me. I, I just, I just started wearing this hat and I think I like have had my world turned upside down. I do think though, that I now feel like even more responsible for making sure that the technology I work on reflects the world I want my daughter to live in. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful. And I think inclusion and diversity brings that to the table. And I agree. I'm very the same. I came into Stacks 
primarily. And I think sex has been the most like warm community for me to have entered. And at the same time, this is why we have Unraveling Crypto to invite more women to join and to partake in this. Okay. So I know we're kind of in towards the tail end of this, but I wanted to ask you about like, what's an insight or an advice that you can give a woman or anyone really about coming into the space? Like how can they feel more secure, confident and safe? Yeah. So I actually, I wrote about this previously and I'll share the link with you, Vanessa. Um, I think regardless of what you're trying to do, whether you're trying to switch careers or whether you just want to explore this technology or whether you're looking to make a meaningful investment and like actually get generational wealth. Like I also feel like we just need to normalize, make it okay for people to like, hey, I'm be honest, the only reason I care about crypto is because I heard you could make a lot of money. Like that's a very human thing. And it needs to be normalized, like you said. I love that. Yeah, there's no shame in that game. Um, And so I think the one insight, like the place to start is be really honest with yourself with what you're trying to get out of the, the exploration and then be really honest with yourself with how much capacity you want to invest. So the ways, and I say that is because people sometimes get dejected about like, I want to get a job in Web3 and the learning curve is very steep, or I want to make a lot of money in Web3. And then there's just too many um, overwhelming things to explore and consider. And I think if you start from those first two places, what do I want to get out of it? And what am I trying to put in? You're set up for much more success in reaching your goals. And then I think the third thing is um, like, where can I add value? So for me, I knew more than anything, I wanted to get a job in, in Web3 and crypto. And I started based on what my past experience was. So I had past experience working in nonprofit media. I was like an admin for a while and then a project manager. And so I specifically narrowed my scope to blockchain and web three companies working in media. That was my, actually my first job working in crypto was for a blockchain journalism startup. Other than that, just be okay with rejection. And like, like Cardi B says, if you get knocked down nine, you got to get up 10. That's it. That's (laughs) it. You just keep going. Okay. I love this. And what are the costs? If you don't enter the space in particular at this time, what are you missing out on? Yeah, I, I think the, um, for me, the biggest thing is like, how important is it for you to be an informed consumer? So we all consume digital products and that's only going to have, like I spend maybe 19 hours of the day online on something. And so I think the thing to emphasize is that like, you will eventually be a consumer of this technology because the technology is that pervasive. And just like maybe your audience is aware of the importance of being a informed consumer about the food that you eat or the clothes that we wear. Like I want this to be sustainable. I want it to to do good or have a, a beneficial business model. I think the thing you miss out on by not paying attention to this technology now is not being an informed and empowered consumer in the future when you end up having to use this technology anyway. Yeah. Okay. So we are wrapping up and there's two more questions. But before then, I want to do a lightning round. And it's a okay. series of questions. You can 
answer them as swiftly, concise, and as fast as possible. Okay? Ready? Got it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So first one, what's your favorite book? Oh, shoot. Okay. My favorite book. I just read this book called Crying in H Mart. I, that's the answer I'm going to give. It's a memoir about a woman and her relationship with her mom. And it's beautiful. Your go-to drink. My go-to drink is... I normally a red wine drinker, but lately I've been really margarita season is high here. So that's, that's my go-to. One piece of advice that you need to share with the world right now. Be honest with yourself. One thing you can't stand. Oh, I cannot stand like people being hateful. That's, that's not for me. What supports you or grounds you most when you're in a stressful situation? I think I want to say my mom, but probably my, my partner too, my husband. Your favorite place on earth? My home. And what do you love most about yourself? Oh, I'm a very joyful person. And I, I love that I bring joy with me wherever I go. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you for taking the time. I know we got cut with technical issues, but before you go, what's one takeaway that you want to share with anyone listening What's their first step that they can do or what can they integrate for themselves to join the space? The first step is like reach out, reach out and touch faith. I think like I'm happy to share my contact information with your audience. It, you don't have to do this Web3 journey alone. In fact, it's so much more fun with friends. And so if you are curious and you want to get started, I think that the best step to take is like bring a friend along the way. That's somebody who you can bounce ideas with. You can ask silly questions with, and they'll help you kind of navigate the, the road. And where can people connect and hang out with you? I am on Twitter all day, every day. So Elenita underscore tweets is my handle, but I also have a website, elenageralt.com. And um, those are the two best ways to reach me. Okay. Well, it's been so lovely. I know we're going to have another episode and just kind of dive deeper, but thank you for taking the time and for being here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. I'll put all of the links and where to contact you in, inside of the show notes. Thank you. I have to jump now, but it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, I appreciate all the effort that you're doing to make Web3 more inclusive for people. Thank you for tuning in. I so appreciate you being here. My intention with this podcast is to empower you to walk into another world feeling confident. Through powerful conversations, we can build this bridge together. If you love this conversation, please leave a review on iTunes. And if you're feeling extra generous, share this episode with a friend who's curious too. To stay connected, find me on Twitter and IG at Vibes. See you next week when we unravel a little bit more.